AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I'm your host, Movie Mike, and boy, do I have a great episode for you guys today. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done with legendary voice actor Billy West. And then we have some big movies to talk about. I'll give you spoiler-free reviews of Black Widow, The Tomorrow War, Also get into some big box office news and Disney Plus numbers that we've never seen before. So without any further ado, let's just get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. About to get into a conversation with Billy West. Now, he is a legendary voice actor, and I've been a huge fan of his work. Everything from his movies to his TV shows, he's basically the voice of my childhood. So it was really cool to get to talk to him. And if you're not familiar with Billy West, here's just a list of some of the voices he's done. He is both Ren and Stimpy on Ren and Stimpy from Nickelodeon. He's also Doug Funny and Roger on Doug. Futurama, which is one of my favorite shows too. He's Philip J. Fry, Professor Fonsworth, Dr. Zoidberg, Zap Brannigan, and a bunch of other characters just on Futurama alone. He's also currently the voice of the Red Eminem. He was the voice of the Honey Nut Cheerios Bee. And those are all the original voices he's created, but he's also voiced iconic characters like Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, Popeye, and Woody Woodpecker. So we're going to get into this big discussion of how he gets into the mindset to do these voices, how he comes up with his original voices, and then we'll get into talking about Space Jam and how he did Bugs Bunny in that movie, which is pretty cool that the new Space Jam is coming out this Friday and that the original Space Jam is now available on 4K Ultra HD and digital for the first time ever. So want to ask him about that. And what I hope you take from this interview is that 
voice acting is the real deal. It's not just a simple thing that people just sit behind a microphone, do these funny voices, and it's, you know, it's acting just like anybody else would approach acting. So if you ever think it's easy, it is not. And especially to get to a level that Billy West is at. Let's hear all about his story now. Here's Billy West. All right, on now with Billy West. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just woke up, ready to face the day. Uh, don't want to read the headlines because that'll spoil my day. But. <laughs> what is the first thing you do when you wake up? Oh, um, I don't know. I start stretching, I guess, because if I just jump out of bed, I'll probably, you know, bounce off the floor. <laughs> what about on a day you're going into maybe do some voice work? What's the kind of first process to get your day started on something like that? Um, I get up early all the time. I mean, it's just a thing. I, I get up at like six. And, um, sometimes, I mean, I live 35 miles outside of L.A., so um, the traffic gets to be beastly. It takes a long time, so... To be at a gig at 9 a.m. in Los Angeles, I have to leave my house at like, you know, 6.15. And on the way over, like, do you have to like warm your voice up at all at this point? Or are you just so like fine-tuned in your work that you don't really have to do it anymore? I, I very rarely ever did warm-ups. If my throat was damaged, I would do a particular little set of exercises that would revive it. But I, but I never... Um, did exercises. I remember one time I, I was having trouble with my voice and I was talking to a vocal teacher or a speech teacher and she gave me these tongue twisting exercises to do. I said, I don't need those things. You know, I was born doing that stuff. So I want to talk about some of your, your, the voices you've done in your career. And I want to say just, first of all, it's an honor to be talking to you that I was, oh, thanks. I was kind of, I, I have Paramount plus now and I've been going back and watching all the shows from my childhood. And I was realizing mm -hmm. watching these, that. Like, it's your voice in all these, from Ren and Stimpy to Doug. And I kind of realized, like, how important your voice was in creating those shows and building such an identity with those shows. I kind of want to go back to the beginning first of when it kind of became something maybe you just did as a kid, like doing these voices, to something that you were actually like, hey, I could have a career at this. Um, That happened very late, realizing that you could make a career out of it. I mean, I could always, I was always the same way as I am now when I was, I was just a freak when I was a little kid and I used to go around, you know, toretting out voices and making noises. And, um, everybody was always like, you know, can you not do that? Can you please not do that? And I was, um, a neighbor lady up the street. She was Italian and she called me a Giacchiron, which means talking machine, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I was always chatting and talking and blabbing and, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be contained, you know? Which was very weird because I was basically kind of shy. Yeah. Um, I I was, um, you know, I found out late in life that I'm, I'd always been on the autism spectrum and I always had OCD and ADHD, except that they didn't have words for that stuff back then. So I, um, you know, I was hyper and I was an empath and uh, I didn't, I never fit in. I never felt like I fit in, but I could just create worlds of things, you know, just to amuse myself. And I just thought that everybody could do that. So I didn't think it was very special. I find a lot of myself in what you're saying right now. I think for somebody like me who's done stand up, who does, you know, radio now, I feel mm -hmm. like I've kind of been so in my world of like, I see all these things in my head to where they mm -hmm. make sense. And it's like kind of a craft that I've kind of been able to do. But when you're doing something where you're performing, I think people people find it kind of odd that you're like quiet or you, you don't really like being around people sometimes. 
It's it's kind of a thing, right? I was targeted a lot. You know, I was picked on. And plus, I came from an abusive uh, home life. You know, I mean, I got the tar beat out of me all the time for nothing, for no reason at home. And um, so you got to cut through a lot of scar tissue later on in life, try to figure out what happened to you. And I, you know, and I was a drunk and a crazy and a druggie for, for good 20 years. You know, I stopped everything like everything back in 1985 and started um, figuring out what I was going to do. I played music. I was in bands for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever I was on stage and an amplifier blew up or I broke a string or something, I would just start screwing around and the air would become electric. You know, I couldn't understand what was happening. Like the crowd was just stopped dead and they would just look at me and I thought, oh, my God, I'm dying dying up here but it wasn't that they were like they were like almost fatally fascinated so just talking to you now i can kind of hear i think the voices that you say you kind of pulled more more from like your voice of like the red m&m and and fry from futurama Mm -hmm. and how do you go about like kind of taking your voice and embodying a little bit of yourself and creating those characters voices uh one of them was purely intentional like on futurama when i auditioned for fry um, I said, you know, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to just do my voice only when I was like 25 years old. Cause I remember what I sounded like, you know, I was whiny and nasally and complainy and, you know, oh man, I just spoke a string. Now what am I going to do? You know, that's the way I really sounded. <laughs> I'm channeling myself at 25 years old. Um, the Doug voice was just something delicate. And I imagined myself being a tweener long before they called it that 11 and a half. And I, you know, I, I hadn't gone through puberty. So the voice would be kind of like in the, in the mid somewhere between, you know, young adult and kid. So I made it like this, you know, like poor chap is my dog. And, uh, it, it was something realistic about it. I mean, like millions of people, and, and lots of people would say to me that, uh, you know, they thought it was like some young person or maybe a woman or something. They didn't picture that it would be some guy, you know. And I also did uh, Roger. And that was based on a real antagonist in my life. The kid was a bugger. He was like, he would bedevil me. Like, and his hair came to a point and his nose came to a point and he's pointing in my shoulder. <laughs> You know, and uh, and he had pointy shoot. I mean, this this kid was a son of a bitch, <laughs> and uh, and so I pictured this Roger to be like that. Like you know, he couldn't pass up the opportunity to to rank old Doug funny. You know, he was like, he's funny, he loser. You know, for no reason, no reason at all. <laughs> so when you're. <laughs> So when you're creating these voices, you have these characters in your head. Like, do you have to see them first to match the voice? Um, yeah, well, they show you what the character looks like, and then they give you an idea of what it is that they're looking for. And you have to you have to go off that. You know, you got to try to give them exactly what they're looking for. I think one of my other two favorite voices are one that you kind of use the Three Stooges to kind of channel. And Oh, yeah, very from Three Stooges. What, what was it about the Three Stooges? Because for me, I think growing up, that was like the only show that I could watch with my dad and we would both laugh at because it was so kind of simple and easy well, to understand. When, yeah, well, but the thing is, is it's a guy thing. Oh, is that what it you is? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a truly, it's a guy thing until maybe recently where I'm, I'm watching women on YouTube 
young women watching the Stooges and dying laughing. And that was not, that was not like that years ago. Women could, couldn't stand them. You know, my mother used to come in and go, how can you watch those awful men? Yeah, but mom, they're funny. (laughs) You know, but I, um, I think I, I stopped going to church when I discovered the Three Stooges because I found my saints, you know what I mean? It's like every morning before school, they showed them. So I went to school with a head full of that, and I hated school. I just hated it. And um, and I, I was learning how to act. I was learning how to do comedy just from watching the Three Stooges, and that's what I wound up to do in life. I should have never even bothered walking to school. Just stayed home and watched the Three Stooges. I would have got you so much further. <laughs> well, you know what it is. Back in those days, you know, there was no such thing as show business. I mean, yes, everyone knew it existed, but the bridge from like Detroit, Michigan to Hollywood doesn't exist. And and no one back in those days would encourage you. Hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. You know, you ought to keep practicing that, and we'll, you know, make a tape of you or something, or we'll film you. You know, they didn't think like that back then. They was, I was just a pain in the ass. So I want to talk about uh, Space Jam now, which is going to be available now on 4K Ultra HD and digital for the first time. Now we've mm-hmm. kind of been getting into the voices you created, the original voices, but now you're going and doing a legendary character, Bugs Bunny. Like, how right. do you approach that of like keeping the same kind of iconic voice that everybody knows with Bugs Bunny, but also kind of giving it your own spin? Um, I just, I gave it everything I had. I knew that Ivan Reitman had, you know, hired me to do it and I, and I just didn't want to let him down. I mean, I wanted to like, you know, go in like gangbusters and, uh, pretty much what I did. Um, the thing about imitating work that's already been done is, um, the template was set. You got to stick pretty much by what was done and you have to try to be as faithful as you can be. There's other people that do the characters. And and there's people who prefer like one person's version of bugs over another's and vice versa. And, you know, and same with the other characters. But I mean, I did it for like 10 years or so. And I was, I was grateful. I was honored, you know, I mean, that was Mel Blanc was my idol. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, um, you know, people are like, Hey, you're the next Mel Blanc. Well, I don't want to be the next Mel Blanc. You know, I want to be the next me. You can't be the next Mel Blanc by doing Mel Blanc voices. You know, you can be the guy they hire. Yeah. But but in actuality, um, it's much better to be an originator, and and that's what he prided himself on. He he claims that he never did impressions, but he he did a few impressions in those cartoons. So when you're doing like Bugs Bunny having an argument with Elmer Fudd in your brain, is there like a gear shift that you can go between the two voices or is it just a thing you kind of automatically have been able to do to go from one character to the other? Well, there's like phrases that key you in um, and you're talking about two different actors. You're not talking about the same actor doing both those voices. So you have to imagine the person doing it and, and try to get into their countenance and, and you know how much they weigh and how energetic are they and I do I do like really but this happens in a split second with me it's not like I deliberate but uh, Elmer Fudd was was very quiet you know and uh, and almost childlike and then when when he got mad he'd go from zero to eighty five in in a split second into you know mania he's like. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Uh, it's like, and then, all right, rabbits, say your prayers. 
come out of there with your head, Jeff Rabbit. So in your mind, that's not, it's not voices to you. It's literally getting into the mindset of two different characters, like, just like an actor would. Yes, and and, and I'm familiar with, with Mel Blanc and what he did, and, uh, and that was just, um, the original voice was like, eh, what's up, Doc? You know, but they sped it up. Ever so slightly, Bugs was sped up. And as a final word, goodbye. I, that, I find that fascinating. That is amazing that you can do that just, just by kind of feeling that in your head. Oh, well, there's guys that can do it, though. I mean, there's not a whole lot of them. There's <laughs> probably about two two or three. But, um, but that's, you know, again, that's like imitating something that's been done. The hard stuff is to try to create something classic that hasn't been done until you did it. Which I think you've done. With all the characters here, I think you've completely done that and kind of made... I kind of associate you with one of the greatest voice actors of our lifetime. So with all the original wow. voices you've created, is it possible to like copyright like one of your characters like that? Nobody can really take that and kind of maybe spin off a character or imitate you in a way. Can you like copyright a voice? Um, no, you can't. You can't really. And um, like you can't copyright a joke. You know, I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, but. I don't think that they, it's not on anybody's radar, you know, like who, who stole a voice from somebody else. I mean, it's almost like in the, in the worldview, it seems pretty picky Yoon, if you ask me. Well, I appreciate the time, Billy. Like this has been amazing to get to talk to you and hear kind of the process behind these voices and kind of just being able to pick your brain. So I really enjoyed this. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too, man. Bye. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Going to get into our first movie review now, talking about Black Widow, and I am joined by my wife, Kelsey. How are you today? I'm good. I'm e tired. Excited to talk coffee. about this movie, though? Yes. I'm hyped up. This is the most excited I've been for a movie review in a while. Yeah, it was really good. I don't want to say anymore until we get into the review. So if you haven't seen the trailer by now, I don't know why you haven't. It's everywhere, but here's just a little bit, just in case. You don't know everything about me. 
I've lived a lot of lives before I was an Avenger, before I got this family. I made mistakes choosing between what the world wants you to be. So Black Widow, we've waited over a year and a half for this one. By the end of this review, which will be spoiler free, we'll say whether or not it was worth the wait and whether or not it's worth the 30 bucks to watch at home, which there's some interesting things we'll talk about movie math later. But going into this one, I wasn't super excited for it. I was. You were. Why? I love Black Widow. When did you start liking Black Widow? Because I feel like she came... We first introduced her in Iron Man 2 back in 2010. And then since then, she was kind of just like a side character. They didn't give a whole lot to. And I feel like at first when this movie got announced, I thought it was a little too late. Like, okay, Avengers are over. They need to kind of revamp all of the Black Widow story. So I was like, okay, we'll see what it is. When did you get excited for it? Somewhere along the Avengers. Okay. I don't really remember. I mean, I... I will say there was one point in the movie where I asked you a question. You had to be like, yeah, that happened. And I was like, oh, okay. So I don't (laughs) completely remember all of the things that happened in all of them. I'm not like a, I love them and I can't wait to see them, but I'm not like a Marvel mega fan to where I know everything about the universe. See, I'm also like, I love Marvel too, but some people get real into like the timelines of everything, the order to watch them in what's happening and like i don't get that hardcore into it i don't have the time to be that hard it's a lot like to follow it along there's so many movies so many characters i can't sit down and break down every relationship but i can follow along to every movie in which and where each one occurs but for this one if you don't if you're trying to place in the marvel timeline when this one happens it happens right after captain america civil war and then before Avengers Infinity War. So it's kind of right there in the middle, which is kind of weird that it's not a full-on prequel. It's not a full-on origin story. And it kind of takes place in the middle of all those other movies. So if you haven't seen all the Avengers movies or even Captain America, basically versus Iron Man, you kind of have to see those to understand this one. Other than that, I think you can get into it without watching every single Marvel movie. But from the first... 15 minutes of this movie, I kind of felt like it was a grittier movie. It didn't really feel like a typical Marvel movie. There was more action. The The backstory is pretty dark on, like, what happened to her and her sister in this movie. Like, why they became spies. Why one became an assassin. Like, that was pretty hardcore, right? Yeah, it was sad. It was sad. There's, like, one scene in particular at the very beginning where you're kind of like, man, like, is this even, like, a... It didn't even feel like... I guess the Marvel movies are never really geared towards kids, but I can imagine like a kid watching that movie at that point and be like, man, this is kind of dark. Yeah, I would say it's it's a pretty strong PG-13 for like that element. And then once it got into the story, I was pretty invested into it. I, I thought the action was really great, and I like how they, for the first time ever, really fleshed out who Black Widow is, who her family is, like where she came from. And overall, like, what kind of makes her awesome? Like, I felt like like this is the movie she deserved, like, five years ago. But I'm glad it came now. The sad part for me is that it feels like that kind of ending of that whole phase of Marvel. Because after her, there's, I mean, there, there's Doctor Strange. But other than the original Avengers, this is kind of it. So I think that part was kind of sad for me to watch. Are there more Ant-Mans? Yeah, there's another Ant-Man coming. But I feel like that's also kind of on, like, the the second tier of the original Avengers. She's like the last one. Is there another Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I still feel like that's kind of the side. I'm just asking my questions. I just turned this into like me trying to figure out how many movies there are. 
but overall, how did you feel about this movie? Thought it was great. Loved it. I got so into it that I didn't even eat all my snacks. I really liked uh, Florence Pugh. She was fantastic. Like, really good. So good. I think also what was different about this Marvel movie, I think it had the least comedy out of every single Marvel movie. There was pretty much only, like, one joke that they kind of kept throughout the entire movie. Other than that, I kind of felt like it was more of, like, a Jason Bourne type movie of, like, Here's this mission they're trying to go and do. Oh, if you're hearing that in the background, that is our dryer. <laughs> our, I, don't, I don't think the microphone. Picks oh, I can that hear up. it. Oh, you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, our, <laughs> that's, our, that's our washer. I'm doing laundry. But other than that, I don't think there was a whole lot of comedy. Comedy in it. It felt kind of more just like a spy slash assassin action movie with some superhero flares. What I felt. Yeah, it was more on the serious like not it wasn't like thor ragnarok comedy yeah not at all that was the funny one right that was the funny one (laughs) so i thought it was good on the borderline of really good not great i thought it was great not the best marvel movie yet i don't think it's in the top 10 but i do think now it's like probably one of my top three scarlett johansson movies i would rank it among some of my favorite really yeah it was great like female power yeah, I think that's what Marvel's been lacking. I think they kind of take... the Avengers is just a lot of testosterone. It is a lot of testosterone. It's a lot of dude. And really, it was just Black Widow. So I think they kind of took a page out of DC's success with like Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn. like Success there. That, that's the best movies they have over there. I know, but I'm just saying success is a loose term. Okay, but the only thing that DC has over them is those characters. So they're like, all right, we need one of those. Well, they had Captain Marvel. True. I still think Black Widow's... This is a way better movie than no, Captain No, I agree, Marvel. but I'm just saying they introduced Captain Marvel's movie. Yeah. Was able to come out first. So if you had to give it a rating, what would you rate Black Widow? Four and a half out of five. I'm trying to think of a... Yeah, nothing. Just four and a half out of five. Four and a half out of five. I would give it four out of five Russian spies. Okay. That's I, a super original scale. Is it? It's incredibly original. Or Black Widow's? Spiders. I, I was going to do four and a half out of five spiders, but I wasn't going to be that cheesy. Uh, that would be a good one. Okay. Four and a half out of five spiders. So I think it was worth the wait. I was, ex- I think it was worth the wait to see it in theaters. hundred percent. Because we, we, we kind of had that decision of like, should we watch it at home, pay the 30 bucks or should we go to the theaters to watch it? And we went with going to see it in theaters. One for us, it's pretty much the same price. It's, like the tickets ended up coming out under 30 bucks for both of us. So it's really more dependent for us. Like what experience do we want? And I kind of like that that's happening now. Yeah. The only thing I'm sad about is that we didn't go to a theater with like the leather recliners. Yeah. The seats were kind of crappy. This one was like a little subpar in the seats. So I couldn't get as comfy. But still, I enjoyed that experience for this movie because I was totally into watching it. I wasn't distracted. was never on my phone. So I think this movie deserved that kind of treatment. But on the other hand, I feel like if you don't want that experience, you just want to see the movie, it's worth the 30 bucks. Absolutely. Like this is up there with one of the best movies to come out in a long time. So for one person, maybe not worth 30 bucks, but if you're watching it with your entire family or you just don't want to go to the movie theater, I think it's completely worth it. It does still feel a little weird to me to pay that on top of the subscription fee, 
But I think that's just kind of the world we live in now. It is. I would also like to note that we just had to pause recording so you could burp incredibly loudly and then just came back to the microphone. I'm throwing you under the bus there. Okay. You want me to leave the burp in? No, I do not want you to leave that in. Okay. But I just want everyone to know we had to like take a quick pause there. Most of the edits we make on this podcast is me burping. Yeah. Or mispronouncing some weird word. Mm-hmm. Not even weird words. Yeah, normal words. I'm giving myself more credit there. So anyway, that's what we think about Black Widow. Let's get into now a double movie review and talk about The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. A movie with one of the greatest premises I've heard in a while. But did it follow through? If you haven't seen the trailer or watched this movie yet, here's just a little bit of that. 30 years in the future. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human. And we are losing. We need you to fight. I will be back. And I love you, Chickpea. Seven days from now, when you're sent into that war, you won't be fighting for your country. You'll be fighting for the world. So the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. Now, how do you feel about him as like a leading actor in an action movie? He's fine. I mean, ambivalent. Yeah. I feel like he's right in the middle of the line of being like, all right, anything Chris Pratt is in, I'm going to watch it. I feel like I'm at the point like anything Chris Pratt is in, I'm curious to see what it's about. Really liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Great in that. Kind of feel like that was his peak. What about the Jurassic World movies? Not so much. I actually don't think I've seen them. I like those movies and I like him in it, but I don't think like I could see like somebody else in that role is where I see. Like, I don't see I don't associate him with those immediately, but I think he does pretty good in those. Um, I don't not like him, but I'm not like, oh, my gosh, Chris Pratt. Got to see. Yeah, I feel that same way. So I think with this movie going into it, I was like, all right, the premise sounds really good. Let's see if Chris Pratt kind of takes that next level of being like a big action star. So the overall premise of this movie, again, we'll keep it spoiler free. But it's basically people in the future come back to present time to warn us about a war that's going on between humans and aliens. And they're basically going to destroy the world. So they have to come to our time to take people back to fix the problem is basically what that movie is about. Right. Yep. Without ruining anything. So I think that's a great premise, mainly because I love aliens. I love time travel. So you put all those things into one movie I was like, how could it not be bad? We watched it, and I think within the first five minutes, I laughed. Because it seemed kind of cheesy. I mean, yeah, it's it's cheesy. It kind of had like a little bit of like sci-fi movie vibes, but yes. on a much bigger budget. Yes, a bigger budget. And Which, side note, I love a sci-fi movie. So do I. And within that first kind of opening scene, I felt like it set a darker tone that it never really got back to. Like, I felt like these aliens were going to be super, like, highly intelligent we were going to have to do something a lot more like having to outwit them, I guess is what I was expecting. But then it kind of just turned into like a full on monster movie. They had, they were basically like big intelligent bugs. Yeah, like spiders almost. Like spiders. They didn't really feel like aliens to me. And you kind of got scared a little bit, right? Because you don't like anything jumping out. You don't like anything violent. Really? You got to throw me under the bus. Well, it's, it adds to the point that I'm trying to make here. You did, right? Yes. And I was like, what did I say? I was like, they're probably not going to show the aliens within the first 20 minutes of the movie. Because that's usually what you do in a good monster movie. You don't reveal them right away. You let the kind of anticipation build. You let that kind of overall like, okay, when are are we going to see them? When's that action going to happen? But that kind of happened pretty early on. And I was like, well, they kind of just ruined a lot of like, what are the aliens going to look like? So they ended up just fighting monsters the entire time. 
And that's not really what I was looking for with this premise. Like, it seemed like they were going to be aliens, maybe a spaceship or something. And it was basically... I don't think we needed a spaceship. We needed a spaceship. They had a spaceship. There was no alien spaceship. It was basically just like an infestation. You wanted the aliens to have a spaceship? Yes. That would have been cool. Okay. So that's how I was a little bit taken back by the overall premise of it and how they kind of executed that. So... I thought the aliens were going to be a little bit more unbeatable. And I felt like they didn't pose that big of a threat in that kind of front without ruining it. I beg to differ, but okay, <laughs> I'll let everyone watch. Yeah. But the other thing I did like about this movie is that it felt like that big summer blockbuster. It had that feeling and we watched it at home on Amazon, which yeah. we already have. We didn't have to pay any extra. We just clicked it. We watched it. And I felt like I was at the movies. But we also just had that op- option to watch it at home. So it had that big kind of blockbuster popcorn movie feel, which was a nice thing to have. What, what's a popcorn movie? A movie you don't have to think a whole lot about and you just eat popcorn while you watch it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did you coin that term? No. Okay. It's a movie you can kind of just turn your brain off. Usually like big summer blockbusters. There's not a whole big overall plot you have to follow. You can just kind of watch it with ease. I love a good popcorn movie. Black Widow was not that. You need Black Widow was not that. You had Don't to get those confused. You had to pay attention to that one. You had to follow not only the plot line in that, but you had to know things about other movies. With this movie, you could just kind of watch it and enjoy it. And I think overall, that's the other aspect of this one that I liked. It was just overall entertaining. While it wasn't the best execution of the plot, it was a little bit cheesy. The acting was eh. I didn't think Chris Pratt was his best in this. It was entertaining. We watched the whole movie and it, I don't think at any point we were like, let's turn this off and not finish it. And even though it's over two hours, I thought the entire time I was like, all right, ready to see what's going to happen. I'm following along. Even though it was not, you know, at the tier I was expecting, it was entertaining. Tough critic. Tough critic. That's what, that's how I felt about it. So if you had to rate it, what would you give it? Three out of five bugs. Yeah, I was going to give it three out of five, too. I think it's like it's right in the line of like you don't need to watch it right now. But if you're looking for something new to watch, it's worth your time. It's not a waste of time. No, but if you're if you want something new, watch it. But like, don't clear your calendar to watch it. Yeah, it's and I also don't want to overhype it in any way of like, no, it's really like it's not. I think it's a good movie of like, all right, I just need something new to watch. Not going to get my expectations up super high. But it's a good watch. So the Tomorrow War, I'm more excited to see kind of a different side of Chris Pratt. I don't really like the leading action star him. I like him more for the comedic stuff, the Guardians of the Galaxy, a little bit. I mean, I'll watch another Lost World movie, but I don't think that's really what I want him for. I want him for like I'm going to date him or something. (laughs) He's an actor. Do you have a crush on Chris Pratt? No, not really. I would admit that. Okay. I don't. Or do I? That's why I'm so critical of him. (laughs) All right. Well, that took a weird turn. Uh, Let's get into some movie news now. So the biggest thing over the weekend really is how much money Black Widow made, which it's the largest opening of a movie since 2019, since Star Wars. That's a very long time. And the most interesting thing I found about this not was that it made $80 million in the United States, but that they made $60 million on Disney Plus alone. 
So that whole Premier Access thing they have, you pay the twenty nine ninety nine to watch it. They made $60 million, and they've never kind of revealed how much they make through that, which I've always been curious about because I wonder, like, you know, how many people are actually paying to watch it at home? Did we do the math on that? What is $60 million divided by 30? Ooh, live math. 60 divided by 30 mm-hmm. two. Oh, just 2 million people watched it at home? Yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah. 2 million times 30 be 60 million. Okay. Yeah. I could have done that a lot faster. I would like to admit <laughs> I've only had a half a cup of coffee today. So 2 million households watched it at home. Yeah. It's a pretty good number. And 60 million adding into the 80, that's a big blockbuster. Ooh, but is there tax? Ooh. Okay, around two million. Okay, around two approximately. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's kind of how the new box office numbers are going to go. Like it's the in theaters number, the at home numbers, and then the global numbers, and you put them all together, and that's the new number. And I like the fact that you have the option now, especially coming up with this week of Space Jam two coming out. That's a movie you kind of decide: do you want the theater experience, or do you just want to watch it at home? I think that one we're just going to watch it at home. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna couch watch that one yeah that's not one i want to spend the money to go see it in theaters i don't think there's anything more you get out of that experience for that one so you have the option to watch it at home so i think we're finally in the seat of being able to decide our experience which has been the biggest debate of like oh well movie theaters are gonna go out of business movies aren't gonna be able to make their money back i think this is what we have now We have the option of picking where we want to go, the experience we want. The bigger movies will still make money. Disney ain't hurting. (laughs) And I don't think it'll take away from people seeing movies in theaters because we like that experience. Like, I've missed going on, like, dinner and then, like, a movie, like, a date night. Like, I love going to the movie theater, so I don't think that takes away. I do think that, like, some movie theaters will have to start kind of moving to that format of being, like, like an Alamo draft house. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Promise this is sponsored. I just love them. Yeah. But of offering like food and drink and kind of like an, um, not an immersive experience, but being but able to make it something more yeah. of just a, than seeing a movie. You have to offer a little more. I'd say the only thing that was kind of sad to me is seeing that they don't have people at the front anymore. Oh, yeah. That did make you sad. Like that was a little sad to me because I like kiosk. that kind of experience of like going up and getting your ticket printed out. And now it's just a kiosk. Can we make the concession stand a kiosk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> People in front of us bought a four-course meal at the movie theater. I'm, no- I'm not even kidding. They had nachos, popcorn, a Nathan's hot dog, and also candy. And candy. They had the full full meal. And this is in no way judgment. I'm not... There's no judgment there. I just it held up the line a little bit. And they probably bought, like... They're probably totaled at, like, a grocery amount. Like, a grocery bill. Oh, that. for sure. A hot dog alone is like eight bucks. Also, why are you buying a hot dog in the movie theater? There might, there might be a little judgment there. There, there might be something else there. But yes, I think movie theaters will have to now adapt and make it more of an immersive experience and also just make it more fun. Also, bring back Diet Coke at Regal. Oh, yeah. That's your big beef with them right now? Yeah, because it's like... Nobody wants a Pepsi. They don't want a Pepsi. I can sneak some candy in. I can't sneak like a drink with ice in. I could sneak a bottle of something in, but then I don't want the ice. Yeah. And I can't just go ask for a cup of ice. That's really obvious. Well, then you have to go to AMC. That's where they carry Coke. Okay. When are you taking me to AMC? I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Well, that will do it for this week. Before I hop out of here, I got to do what I do every single week. 
my shout out to one of you guys listening, whether you send in a DM on Instagram, a tweet at Mike Distro, or a message or comment on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Mike Distro. Actually, going over to the old Facebook page today, this comment is from Sherry Morris. She said on the episode with Amy, she said, good podcast. Enjoyed hearing about Amy Brown's favorite movies. If you missed that episode, you can go back one and listen to Amy, who I work with on the Bobby Bone Show. We talked a lot about her favorite movies as a kid. The first movie she went to on a date. And then she revealed like this crazy story about an ex-boyfriend that she never told before. <laughs> and the weird kind of connection that he had with Old Yeller. He basically had to live out the movie Old Yeller, which had a kind of a depressing ending. So then we kind of switched it up a bit. But if you want to hear that story, it's on the last episode. Sounds sad, right? It sounds really sad. And I also realized that I think that movie is one of the reasons I never had a dog as a kid. Oh, no, not this conversation again. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, save you know the that. podcast listeners. Okay, well, you can go back and listen to that episode and hear my whole kind of trauma with that. No. But I appreciate everybody for listening. To all of you who are subscribed and listen every single week, that means a lot to me. Hope you come back next week and listen to that episode. And until then, later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.